I do want to speak to you today a Father's Day message. We'll take a break from our study through the Gospel of Matthew, and we're looking at a couple of passages today, uh, wanting to look at a model for fathering. That would be the first section that we'll look at. I'm asking you to open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. God is, in fact, our Father in heaven. Jesus even teaching us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. God likens His relationship to us as a Father to His children. We also see this in the ministry in the New Testament as the Apostle Paul writes letters of encouragement to the churches. We see him often kind of relating himself as a father to the churches in a spiritual sense. A a father to those that he has helped and strengthened in the faith. And I I believe that we can find in Paul's writings to the churches a real good model uh, in the same way that God's uh, spirit influenced Paul to be a good spiritual father to the churches he planted. I think we can glean a model for a good father image for us in the natural. And uh, with that in mind, let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll be picking up verses 7 through 12. Let me read through the text and then we'll come back and identify some of those characteristics for fathering. Verse 7, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We see this apostle's heart for this church, and we see something of of the father's heart for his children. And we see a number of things that I believe we can apply even into our natural lives and family. The first thing I notice is that there is seemingly a gentle love about Paul's heart towards this church. Look again in verse 7. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Interesting. Paul says, look, we, we were gentle among you, even all as a mother. Interesting that as fathers, we, we could honestly say there are some times where we need to have the same gentleness and nourish, nourishing nature, nurturing nature as a mother does for her children. Sometimes it's hard for men. You know, we don't, we don't want to act like mothers. We want to be fathers. We want to be kind of strong. We want to be, you know, uh, courageous and show strength. And it's difficult for us sometimes to show care and compassion. It doesn't come natural to us. But you remember the term gentleman. It's been lost in, in our culture, its meaning. But, you know, there, there is the idea of being a strong leader as a man, but also a gentle spirit, a self-control, a certain way in which you conduct and handle yourself. And it's that balancing of strength and courage with that care and compassion. You know, I know that's, it was a challenge even for me as a father. 
My sons complain, you know, Dad, you, you never really cuddled with us on the couch, you know, watching TV. I said, boys, you're 26 and 23 years old. It's getting a little weird. <laughs> there needs to be that gentle touch as fathers, that, that gentle heart. Remember Jesus. We read this recently in our study in the book of Matthew. You don't need to turn. Let me quote it to you. Matthew 11:29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You talk about a courageous leader. You talk about a fearless leader in Jesus who gave his very life for the sins of men who gave him all that he had. I mean, he did not back away from any challenge. He pioneered our faith. And yet in his strength and in his valor and in his courage and his fearless leadership, we also see a Jesus that is gentle and lowly in heart, a a, a compassionate heart, a, a Jesus who would welcome the children to come near him, a Jesus that seemed to balance both strength and valor with humility and gentleness. And I, I think that's the, the, the essence of what we need to ask God to help us as men to demonstrate in our fathering. It doesn't necessarily come naturally to us. We need the Lord's help, his grace, his spirit. In the book of Galatians, again, let me just quote this to you, talking about the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. I believe it comes from the Lord. This gentle love, this ability to be compassionate and soft-hearted comes from the Lord's heart being shed abroad, His love and grace being shed abroad in our heart, and it becomes the fruit of His Spirit working through our lives. There's an old song by a, a writer named Dan Fogelberg. He wrote a song called Leader of the Band. It's a song he wrote for his father. And I'll quote just a few lyrics from it because it, it so speaks to this, this topic. He earned his love through discipline, a thundering velvet hand. His gentle means of sculpting souls took me years to understand. I thank you for the music and your stories of the road. I thank you for the freedom when it came my time to go. I thank you for the kindness and the times when you got tough. And Papa, I don't think I said I love you. Near enough. I love that phrase, a thundering velvet hand. There is the thunder. There is the discipline. There is the strength in a man's role as a father. But it's administered with a velvet hand, a soft and gentle touch. That balance that God has called us to in the ministry of fathering. Secondly, I notice in our text that we are to impart our life. Maybe we would call it sharing our life, being available to our families. Look again back in our text where in verse 8, Paul says, So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Not only did we share the gospel, but we shared our lives We lived the gospel among you. We were not aloof. We were not removed. We did not come in as, you know, just professional ministers sharing the word and then retreating to our own company. We opened our hearts. We were transparent before you. We lived our lives with you. 
We imparted something of ourselves. That means time. That means interest. That means really sharing even in the the life of our family and children. Very open and transparent. It's not easy. It's, it takes, it's hard to balance the time. And, and we go through different seasons, you know, where it seems like all of your time is devoted to, you know, certain events and, and seasons of life. And then it changes. Kids become teenagers and then they don't even want you sharing their life. And you know how it goes. But, but there's this devotion that Paul had. You know, we didn't just come to preach. We came to live. We came to share. We came to be a part of your life. That's how dear you were to us. And certainly this is the heart of a father for his children, a, a getting involved in the day to day. You know, for my own self, I, I worked with my father for many years. I grew up in a family business. And um, so I, I was working since junior high. I'm 30 plus years I worked with my dad. We almost imparted too much of each other's life to one another. And it wasn't easy. And I'll tell you, there were, there were many seasons where, you know, we, did, we both just wanted to quit. I remember as a teenager, you know, and you can imagine what, you know, teenager working at a family business is like. I was all of that. And, uh, you know, I was so mad at him and he was so mad at me. He said, you know what, if you're going to act like that, I'm just going to have to fire you. I said, well, you can't fire me because I'm going to quit. <laughs> and after I said that, we both kind of looked at each other and then we both just started busting up laughing. It was so ridiculous. We knew that he knew he wasn't going to fire me and I knew I, I couldn't quit. So, but, you know, just that, that frustration. But you know what? It gets messy, doesn't it? it? It's almost easier just to just, oh, I don't want to get that involved in my kids' lives. It's, it's, it's hard work. It's complicated. There's, there's drama. There's issues. But you've got to get in there, guys. You've got to get in there and impart your life to them. Building memories. It's amazing, you know, now, years gone by, how... You know, when the kids get together and they remember things, I've forgotten them, but things that we did as families, you don't realize the importance of that time that you shared and those moments that you had in sharing your life, how, how really uh, tra- um, important they are in shaping the character of your family and your children. The third thing I noticed, again, back to our text in First Thessalonians, is that men are to provide for their family. Look at verse 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. Paul was just a hard worker. Paul, when he came in to plant a work in a new city, he didn't come in with his hand out. He came out with his hands at work and he provided for his own sustenance so that he could then minister the gospel without any false motive or pretense. And I do believe that hard work, a good work ethic, is something that we as fathers need to model for our families. There is a call by the, by the word of God for men to be providers for their home. Paul would say this, and again, don't turn, let me just quote, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul instructing Timothy on the kind of men that you want to use in ministry, that they needed to be hard workers. And he, would, and he went on to say this in verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Pretty strong warning. If a guy's not willing to work hard for his family and provide even for his own, then there's something wrong even in his faith. There's something wrong in his understanding of Christianity. Now, I know that there are seasons, men, where for economic reasons you're not able to work. You want to work. You're looking for work. It's not available. 
I know that there can be physical injury and disability. So we're not talking about when it's not possible, but we're talking about we're doing everything we can possible to be a help and a provision for our families. It's not to be done in pride. I'm the breadwinner around here. What I say, go. it's not to be that way. Paul didn't say, you know, Paul said we did this so that we wouldn't be a burden. We did this because we love you. We did this because we want to bless you. And that's what God, God wants parents to bless and provide for children, not, not for the children to somehow provide for parents. No, we're to store up for our children. Men are, are supposed to work and provide. And listen, the career should not be an end in itself. We do have to be careful, men. Sometimes we can get so caught up in our work that that becomes our life. And we forget why we're working. We think we're just working to build our career and ego and opportunity. Now, careers are important. And I, I say work hard and do your best and let the Lord you know, raise you up and use you in a beautiful way. But remember why you're working. You're working to provide. You're working to bless your home and your family. Don't get those out of balance. Work hard, be diligent, but remember you're doing it for those that you love in the same way that Paul served uh, and worked hard for the church, that he might not be a burden, but that he might be a blessing. The fourth thing that I see in our text here today clearly is that as fathers, we are to be a good example. Look again at verse 10. You are witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believed. Paul said, guys, you remember when we were there. You remember how we conducted ourselves. And not only do you know this, but I want you to know God is witness also. What we were before you is who we are for real. We, live, we didn't just live this way on, on church day. We didn't just live this way when others were watching. We lived this way when even God was watching. We have done everything we can to be a good example. I'm sure you've heard this saying, talking about uh, the way that you, you teach and model and train. So much more is caught than taught. So much is learned by example and what our kids observe us doing, and they catch the vision rather than what we teach and through our words sometimes. Those words need to be supported with a good example. We want our kids to know the Lord. We want our kids to, to love the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Do you love the Lord? What does a prayer life look like? Kids, you need to pray. Well, okay, Dad, what's that look like in real life? Kids, you need to read your Bible. Good idea, Dad. Show me how that works in busy schedules. These are the things that you example and model in your life. It's good to be together in fellowship. It's good to, to set disciplines into your family that would encourage your kids in the Lord. And of course, um, a bad example will also catch in our kids as well. And so we have to be diligent not only to model good behavior, but to be careful not to model the behavior. Isn't that the worst when you see your kids acting just like you and it makes you furious, right? That's the worst. You're acting just like me. <laughs> must be your mother. Must, must be our mother's influence. You know how it is. So we have such a role. Man, it's, it's not easy. It's hard, but God's called us to be good examples. The fifth thing and, and the last piece for our text here 
is I believe that we are to teach our children about the kingdom. Teach the kingdom of God. Look with me, verse 11. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and changed and, excuse me, charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. As if Paul is saying, guys, you remember in every way possible, we were teaching you about the kingdom of God. We exhorted you. And exhort means to, to teach or to instruct. We comforted you. That means to encourage. That means to, to, to be patient and to come alongside and help. And we charged. That's a strong command. Hey, we charge you in the name of the Lord. And all of these things go into fathering. This kind of instruction, this kind of comfort and encouraging and charging that you would walk worthy of the God who calls you. This is our message into the life of our kids that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I want you to come into what God has created you for. It's not just about behaving in the home. That's important. But I'm trying to shape you. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to teach you about the things of God, eternal things that matter. That you would know God. That you would live for God. That you would come into the fullness of the beautiful plan that He has for your life. Remember the Old Testament. The, the, the Old Testament law was to be, was to be spoken of. The, the Scripture says for in the home, that you know, on your way, coming and going, when you're walking with your children, when you sit down to eat, when you rise up to go. In other words, the Word of God is ever a part of your life. And that's our call, men. First of all, we have to know the Word of God. We have to apply the Word of God. And we have to teach it. We have to be always talking about the kingdom. Coming and going. It's just woven into the fabric of our home and of our family. And so we're called to exhort, to comfort, to charge. That your children would know Jesus. That your children would learn to love Jesus. You know, in my own home... I used to do a lot of exhorting, comforting, and charging. It got termed and coined in my house one of Dad's lectures. And they became dreaded. Dad, anything but the lecture. We just can't handle another lecture. They got so tired of hearing me exhort and comfort and charge. They just didn't, you know, the, the eyes would roll when I'd say, hey, I need to talk to you. Sit down. I got a couple Bible verses. Oh, Dad, not a lecture. How long is this going to take? Truthfully, that's why I became a pastor. They just wouldn't listen to me anymore. I needed somebody else to lecture. I'm so glad you're here. You saved my family. (laughs) But you know, um, I did it anyway. Listen to me, dads. Mm, Sorry. Don't give up. Don't quit. Let them roll their eyes. Let them uh, act disgusted with you and your Bible. You know, let them, let, you just you just keep going for it. You just keep sowing that into their heart. You keep speaking the truth in love. You keep charging, exhorting, and 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 comforting, and 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 all that's needed. Don't give up. Keep speaking about God, about Jesus, and His kingdom into the life of your family, so long as you have them, you know, and, and, and when they're younger, that you have them, and then they grow, and, and you don't have them, and they come back, and you have them again. <laughs> and then the grandkids come up, 
I've already got great lectures prepared for my little granddaughter. She's as soon as she can understand them. Keep sowing into the heart of your kids, fathers. Let me let me say just a couple of things to you to encourage you today, fathers. First of all, we all make mistakes. You know, sometimes Father's Day can be for some a day of regret. You know, you, you have, maybe you're estranged with some of your kids and you think, wow, if only I had this, if only I had that. Or, You know, listen, we all make mistakes. This is, not a, this is not a time to come under condemnation, okay? Because we're, after all, we're just men. We're just sinners. We only have one perfect father. It's our heavenly father. Even Jesus said, you know, you fathers being evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father. Even good dads are still just sinners and men. So don't beat yourself up this morning if, if you've missed the mark in some ways because we all fall short. My kids could give you the list of all the ways that I didn't measure up even to the things that in my heart I aspired to. So don't come under condemnation, but rather recognize and, and, and take the charge that God would speak into your heart and move forward. Because that's the second thing I want to encourage you with. It's never too late. It's never too late. Oh, no, I missed my chance. No, you didn't. If you've got, if you've got a child that you can go and love on and encourage and somehow be involved and connected in their life, it's not too late. Ask God to open doors. Begin to pray for them. Keep praying for them. It's never too late to be a dad. It's never too late to father children in a way that God will give opportunity if you will be diligent to seek him and to pursue that calling. It's, it is a heavenly calling. It is a divine, a divine calling. I'd like you to turn with me now to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. And we'll close with this classic story of the prodigal son. For some reason, I just couldn't not read this passage on Father's Day. It's just such a precious story in my own heart. And let's read it. I'll just just follow with me. I'm in Luke 15. I'm going to pick up in verse 11. Let me read it through. And then just a couple of remarks about this particular passage and we'll close. Luke 15, verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living, sinful, wasteful living. Verse 14, but when he had spent all, There arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. 
But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. A beautiful picture. Jesus is the teacher here. He's the one relating this story. And it's a beautiful picture, and I think we can embrace it from two perspectives. One, as fathers, we, we see the heart of a compassionate, loving father, always looking, always wanting to restore, always wanting to see restoration in our children and to see them go forward in the things that God has for them. But we can also see this in the perspective as children and how we need to always be ready to return to our own heavenly father. You know, you may not have a good father figure in your life. I know that's the case for many. Many you do. I was blessed. I have my dad is not a believer, but he was a good father figure for me. But many of you don't have that. Maybe you grew up without a father or you grew up with a bad model of a father. I want you to be reminded today that even for you, there is a beautiful picture of a loving, godly father, a heavenly father that so loved you that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, that he might adopt you and embrace you into his family. This is something for all, both fathers looking to love on their children, even the prodigals. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep looking. Keep hoping. And for the children that are reluctant to come home, whether it be to their natural father or, most importantly, your heavenly father, you think, well, if I go home, it's just if I go to God, he's going to be angry and, and there's nothing. I don't deserve anything. That's the right heart. That's the repentive heart. A couple of verses in that text, verse 17, the prodigal, while he was out living wastefully, and then he ended up in such dire uh, condition, verse 17, but when he came to himself, and that's so important that you come to yourself, that you realize that, that the way I'm living, separated from my heavenly Father, is wasteful, and I've come to the end of my own doing and my own way, and it's empty, and I need to come back to the Lord. And the right heart, I don't deserve anything. I can't come back and make demands. I can't come back to get, you know, more supplies so I can go right back out and do what I've been doing. I've got to come home and just throw myself at the mercy of my father and hope that he will have me. And that heart, that broken and contrite spirit, that's the heart that the father will run out and embrace and robe you and clothe you and feed you and nurture you back into family. And I love that verse 20. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. His father was looking for him. And while he was still just coming over the, the, the horizon, he, was run, he ran out to embrace him. And that son, you know, he'd rehearsed his line and be, he couldn't even get it out. His father was just all over him, embracing him, loving him, kissing him. That's the grace of God. That's the heart of God. Even though you were lost, Oh, that you would be found. You were dead in, in your sins, but that you would be made alive through the forgiveness and mercy that comes to us through Christ. Let's pray.
Father, I do thank you. I thank you for this Father's Day, a day where we can reflect on the ministry of fatherhood. And Lord, all of us can find places to be challenged and encouraged and strengthened. And Lord, I do pray that our hearts will be nurtured today. I pray that we will, Lord, something will be sparked. Maybe, Lord, I'm thinking of a father here today that might be estranged from a child or his children. And it may have been a long time. And Lord, I'm praying that, that today that that father will humble himself and reach out with a gentle love to his children. Not because they deserve it and because they've earned it from him, but because your love has so filled their heart and that they know they have a special role and gift as a father that they could simply reach out in love and mercy. God, that we would rise as fathers. Oh, in this day that we live, Lord, when there is such a, such a famine in the land for godly fathers, God, help us to be what you've called us to be. Forgive us, Lord, for those things where we've missed the mark. But, Lord, it's never too late. Let us move forward today. And also, I want to pray today, of course, for those that are here that, that may need to respond to the Lord directly. You know, you may be here today and you do not have a relationship with God wherein He is truly your Heavenly Father. He wants to be. Now, He is a holy God. He is a God that will judge and punish sin. But He is a God that wants to forgive and has sent Jesus, His own Son, to die on the cross for your sins. That you, through faith in His love and His work, the death and resurrection of His own Son, that you might be forgiven of your sin. And in so doing, He wants to adopt you into the family. That you would become a child of God and that you would call Him Heavenly Father. As the Apostle Paul said in Romans, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa. A warm embrace, not a fearful judgment from a God that is angry, but a loving embrace from a God that is merciful. I'd love to pray for you. If you've never come to faith in Christ and you know that you need Him in your life, I want to pray and ask Him to come into your heart today and begin this new relationship in the family of God. Maybe you're here today and you would be identifying yourself with the prodigal. You've run, your, your, you've run away. You've kind of, you, you, you disconnected from the Heavenly Father. You've gone your own way. You got distracted. You got interested in your own pursuits. And you've come to the end of yourself. And maybe you're in that place today. And, and as that prodigal, it says he came to himself. Maybe you need to come to yourself today and realize, I've got to get home. I don't know what awaits me there, but it's better than this. I've got to get home. I've got to come back to the Lord. And I want you to know that he's, he's, he's already looking for you. While you're still a long ways off, he's running towards you. And maybe you just need to come back, rededicate, recommit your life, ask him to forgive you. Don't come pretending. Come in sincerity as the prodigal son did, knowing that you need the Lord and his grace. And he will welcome you and embrace you. I'd love to pray for you too.
So if you're here today and you want to receive Jesus for the very first time, or you want to rededicate, recommit, come home to Jesus today, then I would ask you to raise your hand where you're seated. Let me see you. And I want to pray for you. I bless you here on my right. On the left, a hand there. Okay. Amen. Anyone else? Lord speaking to you. You need the Lord. For the first time, you need to come back to the Lord. God bless you. Any other hands just before I pray? And so, Lord, I do thank you for these hearts responding to you today. God, I I believe that you are moving toward them even before they raise their hand. You saw them, you loved them, and you spoke to them today because you want to embrace them in a relationship as their loving Heavenly Father. Lord, we would, we would pray for those responding. We, our hearts would say, forgive me. I have no merit before you. I don't come home demanding. I don't come to you believing that I have any value other than your love for me and your mercy. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus. Cleanse me from my sin. Move into my heart, into my life, and begin to lead me in the way that you have purposed for me. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.